Some magical traditions have rules on how to dispose of spell ingredients. For example, there are hoodoo spells that specify throwing away your remaining spell ingredients in a moving body of water, like a river. But as my magical practice has evolved, I've come to believe that witches and other spiritual practitioners, we need to be better stewards of the earth. And that means honoring nature and not polluting bodies of water. So I prefer to dispose of my spell ingredients in the garbage can. And this has not affected my spell work. But I recommend that you use your discernment when making such decisions. You may find that your practice changes as you learn more about life, magic, and perhaps incorporate rituals from other traditions. And this is where personalization comes in. This is what I mean by creating a spell that only you could create. So be open to experimentation. Welcome to the You Are The Spell podcast with Aunt Carla. Join me each episode as I teach witches and other spiritual practitioners how to develop magical confidence and sovereignty in their practice. Over the last few episodes, I've focused on how to create your own personalized and powerful spells. In other words, magical spells that only you could create. Part one was about alignment, which is the process of bringing your thoughts, feelings, and actions into harmony with the intentions of your spell. In part two, I talked about the importance of the natural elements of earth, air, fire, and water. Part three was about sympathetic magic, also known as imitative magic, which all magical spells use at some point. Part four, I talked about how your body is a magic wand and how your senses enhance your power. Part five was about magical timing. And while these episodes gave a foundation of what spells incorporate, you might find yourself asking, so what do I do now, auntie? So for part six, this final episode in this spell crafting series, today we're talking about put your spell together and how to use everything you've learned so far to create your own spell. After learning about previous points of spell crafting, you're just about ready to perform your spell, but there are a few loose ends that must not be skipped and how they differ will depend on your particular spiritual path. If you happen to be a Wiccan witch, or a, a root work conjure person, or perhaps you're from another specific spiritual path, you may do things in a particular, particular way because that's how you were taught by someone in that particular magical tradition. So, so that might look like certain parts of spell casting, including whether or not you cast a circle before you perform a spell. It might be if you give offerings to certain spirits, you might venerate ancestors, and it may even apply to how you dispose of ingredients afterwards. These things ha can be determined by your magical path. And you may do things a particular way because that's what you learned or that's how you were taught. And if that is the case, I recommend that your magical tradition come first. And that's because there is power in tradition. A woman once told me about trying to teach her daughter a ritual that had been passed down from her mother and her mother's mother. But when she tried to teach her daughter, her daughter said, but that's not how they did it on TikTok. And of course, you know, she was very frustrated. And I told the mother to let her daughter know that magic passed down over the years through a bloodline is 
always going to be more powerful than anything that you can find on TikTok and YouTube put together because it's a family tradition. And there's a lot of power in that. I also want to say that nothing that you learn from someone else should be abandoned simply because you hear me or anyone else say something different. To have discernment is to have the ability to make the right decisions regardless of the information being presented or the person who is presenting it. So if you decide to try something new or different, make sure that your reason makes sense. Another example of an established magical tradition is Florida water. It was originally created as the first American mass-produced eau de cologne for men and women in 1808. And over the years, this citrus-based cologne became known as a spiritual potion, spiritual cleanser that people used for cleansing themselves and their magical spaces. As many perfumes and colognes have come and gone in and out of fashion over the last 200 plus years, the recipe for Florida water has remained the same. And it's become an important tool in many a witch's toolbox. And that is the power of magical tradition. Another magical tradition is the use of angel numbers or numerology. If certain numbers are meaningful to you, you can find a way to incorporate them in your ritual, such as the number of herbs used or carving an angel number like 888 into your spell candle. Each number from zero to nine has a meaning, and you can choose numbers that correspond to your intention, such as the number two for partnerships. Perhaps you've always been an eclectic witch. You've taught yourself everything, and you use a little of this and a little of that for your rituals, and you've learned various things by reading books. So your rituals may be kind of like a collage of methods, depending on whatever ideas your intuition sends you. And that's cool. Now, in my experience, I grew up learning about hoodoo, but I have added astrology, crystals, and even art magic to my personal practice. In fact, I no longer call what I do hoodoo because my methods have totally changed and I'd never want to misrepresent what I do now as hoodoo. I will say though, that the simplicity of hoodoo folk magic is what informs my technique. And the result is the creation of my own brand of witchcraft. As I mentioned, some magical traditions have rules on how to dispose of spell ingredients. And for example, there are hoodoo spells that specify throwing away your remaining spell ingredients into a body of moving water, such as a river. But as my magical practice has evolved, I've come to believe that witches and other spiritual practitioners should be, we should be better stewards of the earth. And that means honoring nature by not polluting bodies of water. So I choose to throw my used spell ingredients in a garbage can, and this has not affected my spell work at all. But I recommend that you use your discernment when making such decisions. As Maya Angelou says, when we know better, we do better. So you may find that your practice changes as you learn more about life, magic, and perhaps incorporate rituals from other traditions. And this is where personalization comes in. And this is what I mean by creating a spell that only you could create. So be open to experiment. When you're ready to perform your spell, an important part of your ritual is your intention letter. It's sometimes called a petition letter. 
An intention letter can take many forms, but the main idea is that it represents your desired outcome. Some people like to write an incantation that rhymes, something that's fun to say, is easy to remember. And some witches like to repeat that incantation over and over until they're in a bit of a trance. And similarly, some practitioners like to repeat a particular affirmation. In the hoodoo tradition, the petition letter is basically your desired outcome written as a command, such as the phrase, come to me, written over and over in a circle without raising the pen. This method takes focused concentration to do it right, which is what the spell requires. Other hoodoo spells incorporate Bible Psalms that represent the desired outcome, such as the 23rd Psalm for prosperity. Bible Psalms contain the power of magical tradition, and many people think of the Psalms as a book of spells. This is also broom closet magic, because you can read a Bible psalm or you could do it aloud or keep the Bible open to a particular page and non-witches who are around you won't know what it's for. And, it been, and then it becomes magic hidden in plain sight. Another method you might try is to write a petition letter affirming your desired outcome in present tense as if you already have it. And you can address this letter to your ancestors, to a chosen deity, to God, the universe, higher power, etc. And if none of those feel right, you can just begin your petition with, I am so happy and grateful to receive blank. And you can give a little more specific information as you wish. But remember, you are claiming what you want. You are not asking or begging for it. The power here comes in your command and your belief that it, it is on its way to you. So when you light your candle for your ritual, you can read it out loud as part of your ritual. And then later you can save, burn, or throw out your intention letter. I like to save my petition letters and, and I like to tuck them into my book of shadows. I'll often find a petition letter years after I've manifested the thing, and it'll serve as a confidence booster and reminder of what I've been able to do using my magic. So now let's get into the nitty gritty of performing your spell. If you'd like a cheat sheet for creating your own spells, sign up for my five-day spellcraft email mini course. The link is in the description below. I have what I call my lucky 13-step spell. And if you sign up for my five-day spellcraft email mini course, you'll receive it on the last day. But if you want to get those 13 steps now, I am happy to break it down. Now, while 13 steps might sound like a lot, it's basically a checklist of how to organize your materials. As the saying goes, plan your work, then work your plan. Having a checklist enables you to decide how you'd like this spell to go ahead of time. So you don't have to stop in the middle of things because you forgot something. Now you might even do the steps in a different order than how I teach them, and that's fine. Some steps such as natural elements or magical traditions, you might even skip altogether. The main thing is that you choose how you want to proceed with each individual step. All right, let's go. So step one, set your intention. That means knowing the desired outcome of your spell. Is it a date for Valentine's Day? Getting into a particular college? Marrying your soulmate? Making your rent payment? Write an intention letter, petition letter, 
or incantation. And if you want more information on intention letters, review the beginning of this episode. You can also revisit episode 12 on setting intentions for your manifestation. Step two, choose your vessel. Basically, your vessel is the magical tool that represents your manifestation. The items that you add will correspond with your desired outcome. For many spells, the vessel is a large candle that you may have carved into and anointed with oil. Some people may use a poppet to represent the manifestation of healing for themselves or another person. A vessel could be a spiritual bath that you take in which your body soaks in the herbs associated with your intention. Your vessel could be a crystal grid or even a simple cup of tea that you drink. For more information on that, check out episode 14 on sympathetic magic. Step three, choose natural elements. After you decide on what kind of spell you'd like to do, choose natural elements such as herbs and crystals to amplify your intentions. You can learn more about this on in episode 13 on the elements of magic. Step four, choose sensory components. Now you want to also consider your senses and choose meaningful touches for your ritual. For example, if you're a visual person, will you use color magic? Or perhaps you're kinesthetic and you want to add something to eat or to drink afterward, or maybe you wanna do some dancing. It's up to you. And you can learn more about this in episode 15 on your body is a magic wand. All right, now we're up to step five. And step five is choose magical traditions. Are there any long-standing established traditions that you would like to include in your ritual? Perhaps you want to incorporate astrology or numerology. Maybe there's a tool that has been passed down in your family. Remember that there is magic in tradition. For more information on magical traditions, review the beginning of this episode. Step six, select timing. Timing deals with using astrology to plan when you will perform your ritual. Will you cast your spell on a Tuesday, during a waxing moon, during airy season, in order to enhance your spell with energy from the planet Mars? You can learn more about this in episode 16 on magical timing for your spells. Next up is step seven, select duration. When considering the duration of your spell, think about your time, energy, and privacy needs. If you want to use a seven day candle example, for example, that means that your spell is gonna take about five to seven days, depending on how fast your candle burns. If you're doing a series of uncrossing baths, you may want to take them for three days in a row. On the other hand, you might choose a birthday candle for a spell that takes only four minutes to burn all the way down or a chime candle that takes about two to three hours. What you decide as far as duration goes will depend on how much energy you want to raise and how much time and privacy you have available. Next up, step eight, gather your items. Personally, I think it's a good idea to have all of your spell items at least a day before you plan to do your spell. Shopping for ingredients is also part of your spell and it requires your energy. 
There are times when I've come home with all my ingredients, but then I was too tired to do the spell. So it's okay to gather things here and there, but if you have to do a big shopping day to get all of your candles and herbs and crystals, etc., that's fine too. Maybe though you'll be able to take a quick nap before your before your ritual if you're tired. Next up, step nine, perform cleansings. Once you have all of your ingredients, it's time to cleanse yourself, your sacred space, and your ingredients. You can use sacred smoke such as garden sage, rosemary, and even lavender. If you're unable to burn things in your home, you can also spray, sprinkle, or spritz liquids such as Florida water, holy water, rosemary water, or another spiritual cologne. And another way to cleanse is with a singing bowl to give your items what they call a sound bath. Ta-da! Now we're up to step 10, which is perform your ritual. This is when you get in front of your altar or other sacred space and you light incense and an altar candle. I call this altar candle my work light, as lighting it lets spirit know that I'm about to get to work. So take a moment after you've lit your altar candle, take a moment to breathe deeply and get still. Ground yourself and prepare to begin. If you have chosen a seven day candle as your vessel, anoint it with the oil of your choice. If you'd like to learn more about candle magic, I recommend that you check out my candle magic masterclass. If you're creating something like a charm, this would be the time when you would put it together. If you're taking a spiritual bath, then this is when you add your herbs, get in the bath water and visualize your desired outcome. The ritual is where the main part of the magic happens. Step 11, release your ritual and give thanks. Believe it or not, performing your ritual is a big step, but it is not the last step. Once you have lit your candle and said your piece, the active part of the ritual is over. After you've gotten out of the bathtub and imagined obstacles running down the drain, the active part of the ritual is over. After you have eaten your meal or drank your tea, the active part of your ritual is over. What you want to do next is release the magic so that it can do its work. You can thank God, your ancestors, the universe, whatever deity that you might be working with. You might play music or ring a bell. And you close your ritual with a parting word or phrase, such as Amen, or And so it is, or So mote it be, or simply It is done. Step 12, dispose of your materials. After performing your ritual, it's time to clean up. If you follow a spiritual tradition with a, <laughs> with a specific rule for ingredient disposal, proceed as usual. If your, spill is, if your spell is for baneful magic, however, immediately dispose of those items away from your home and yard. Anything that's left from your candle or your incense can be thrown away. So if you have any leftover salt, you can make witch's black salt by adding incense, ashes, charcoal, or black pepper. And black salt can be sprinkled around your home for protection and breaking hexes. If you're using herbs that are left over, any of those leftover herbs can be recycled in your compost or thrown away in the garbage. 
And if you're using candles in your ritual, be sure to exercise fire safety. Step 13, reflect, review, and repeat. After you have completed the ritual, keep a record of it in your magical journal, also known as your book of shadows. Write down the results of any divination that you might have done beforehand. Write down the date, the astrology, meaning the timing, the ingredients you used, etc., as you may want to remember that information in the future. If you have any related dreams after your ritual, write them down. If you get any hunches to do anything that's related to your desired outcome, to call someone or go somewhere, follow those hunches immediately. If you receive any kind of intuitive messages or divine downloads, write them down, even if they don't make sense. Also, stay on alert for any signs related to your desired outcome. Look for signs that things are happening and write them down. Put your expectant energy on finding clues that your manifestation is coming. And if you feel like you want to do another spell, give it an entire moon cycle. In other words, wait a month before doing it again. You may want to try a different spell or different ingredients or different timing. And remember that sometimes some things that you want take a lot longer than one moon cycle, but keep your eye on the prize. Now, if you don't get what you want, always look for the lesson because there's always a lesson to learn and you want to know what it is. Sometimes after doing a spell, you might realize that you don't want what you thought you wanted after all. And that is a valuable lesson that you might not have gotten had you not decided to do that spell. So enjoy using magic as a tool to transform your life because you are magic. If you'd like a cheat sheet for creating your own spells, sign up for my five-day spellcraft email mini course. The link is in the description below. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode and be sure to tell all your witchy friends. If you have a question or comment, drop me a line at theredsoulflower at gmail.com. That's S-O-U-L-F-L-O-W-E-R. And I'd love to hear from you. You can also join the Red Soul Flower Magic family on Facebook to continue the conversation.